tonight, if you turn with me uh, to the book of Second Chronicles, I want to give you my burden uh, that the Lord has placed in my heart, and uh, I want to try to be a help to you here this evening and encourage this church. And uh, I tell you, I, I'm encouraged already just hearing uh, what God's been doing, talking to uh, Pastor Farmer and his wife there about all that God is doing here, and it's just amazing, the miracles that God is doing. Um, but I know this, God desires to do so much more, <laughs> and, and we just have to believe him for it and trust him that he can continue to do that. And I want you to look here in Second Chronicles, and I want to, uh, just a, a thought this evening uh, that I'd like to leave with you, and um, we're going we're gonna to look, first of all, in uh, chapter number 33 of Second Chronicles, chapter 33. And again, I appreciate the opportunity to preach today and to um, be a part of the services. Um, Brother Josh and I had talked a long time ago, and I, uh, I think every time I've talked to him since, I'd said, well, you know, if you would rather preach, that's totally fine. But he has opened up his pulpit uh, twice in one day to me, and uh, I really appreciate it and honored to, that we can be here and, uh, and a wonderful uh, time for my wife and I to be here uh, today. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 33 uh, we come to this passage of Scripture, and, and as we read through, we read about these kings, and we read about uh, you know, a king that did uh, right in the sight of the Lord, and then, then one that did evil in the sight of the Lord. And as we uh, come to Second Chronicles chapter 33, uh, we have just finished uh, a portion of Scripture, maybe one of the greatest kings in the history here, and that is King who, do you know? Hezekiah. Hezekiah. Uh, Hezekiah, there's many chapters written about Hezekiah's life and, and uh, how uh, Hezekiah uh, brought about revival in, in the kingdom and uh, turned people towards God. And now we come to Second uh, Chronicles chapter 33, and we come to his son next. And look what the Bible says in Second Chronicles chapter 33, and the first word here, Manasseh. And by the way, let me just tell you this as we begin uh, the name Manasseh means this, one who forgets. One who forgets. And look what the Bible says here. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. Do we have any 12-year-olds here today? Any 12? There we are. All right. How would you like to be a queen? All right. <laughs> How would you like that? 12 years old. Uh, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign and he reigned fifty and five years in Jerusalem. Well, look at verse two. But did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And we'll stop right there. We'll continue uh, here in just a few moments, and we'll read about some of the things, some of the terrible sin um, that crept in under his watch and. And actually, in, in the book of First uh, Kings, as we read about Manasseh, the Bible actually says that he, uh, f- he pushed sin into the kingdom. A terrible thing to be said about someone. Uh, but we find that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And you know what? This breaks my heart. Uh, maybe more than anything else. Uh, hearing about a young person who has grown up in a godly home and choosing to do evil in the sight of the Lord. And uh, I, it's, it's a burden on my heart to see teenagers serve God all of their life, uh, to give their life to God early, and to serve Him all of their life. Now, I want you to turn over to Second Chronicles chapter 34 now. 
And look what we find now in Second Chronicles chapter 34. We have now Josiah, uh, maybe a famous one because of how young he was, the youngest king. Look at this. Josiah was eight years old. <laughs> Do we have any eight-year-olds in here tonight? All right, maybe a couple. Good, there he is. Eight years old. Can you come up here and stand with me just for a second? Would you come up here with me? I, did, I want you to get this in your mind. It's, it's easy to read this. <laughs> All right. Um, now, I have full confidence in this young man. All right. Tell me your name once again. What is it? Jude, right? Yeah, Jude. I mean, this is uh, of the finest right here. Okay. Uh, his father has taught him well. And uh, eight years old. Can you imagine being king? Wouldn't that be something? Eight years old. All right, you can go have a seat. I just want you to get that in your mind. Eight years old, this young man became king. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. And then look at verse number three. For in the eighth year of his reign, which would make him how old? Sixteen years old. For in the eighth year of his reign. Do we have any sixteen-year-olds here? Good. There we are. All right. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. I, I hope you underline that phrase there. While he was yet young. Um, that is what God desires. He desires to get a hold of us at a young age and that we would live all of our years for Him. He desires for every young person to come to know Him as their personal Savior and live all of their life. Is it possible that a young person could give all of their life to God? Yes, it is. Is it possible for a young person to grow up in this wicked world, in this day and age when everyone is turning away from God and still live their life for God all of their days? Yes. Uh, I, I love this example of Josiah because Josiah was one who had a father who was evil. Uh, would you look up with me uh, just a few verses before this? Uh, we read just a few verses about in verse uh, 21 of chapter 33. The Bible says Ammon was two and twenty years old when he began to reign and reigned two years in Jerusalem. But he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as did Manasseh his father. For Ammon sacrificed unto all the carved images which Manasseh his father had made and served them and humbled not himself before the Lord as Manasseh his father had humbled himself but Ammon trespassed more and more. Uh, what we find is that the wickedness that began in Manasseh continued through Ammon. And, and the Bible says that he trespassed more and more. Uh, what was carried down was this sin and, and, and this wickedness. And it continued more and more and more. And you know what? We are... Uh, what I'm reminded here in this particular passage is this. We are passing something on to the next generation. All of us in this room, I'm talking even the teenagers in this room, we are passing something on to the next generation. And that is either we're going to either pass on the truth of God's Word to the next generation, or we're going to pass on to the next generation uh, what, uh, the ways of what we're finding here, uh, trespassing against the Lord, not following the Lord, 
uh, sin. And the Bible tells us that he trespassed more and more. And then look at verse number 24. And it says, And his servants conspired against him and slew him in his own house. But the people of the land slew all them that had conspired against King Ammon. And the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his stead. Uh, This man was so wicked that his own servants conspired against him and killed him. And, and what we find here is just a sad picture of what sin does. Uh, it just destroys. It destroys. Uh, it ruins and destroys. And, and uh, what we find here is a sad picture. But we, then we come to chapter 34 and we find Josiah. Now, I, as I've read this chapter before, these, these chapters, I thought, how, how did Josiah stop the trend did you see the trend of Manasseh doing evil and, and Manasseh uh, not following the Lord? And, and then we find his son, Ammon, is now the one who is uh, sinning and, and trespassing more and more. And then Josiah, and it says Josiah began to seek God. Uh, what was it in Josiah's life? What happened that got a hold of Josiah? Uh, I want to I give you this message tonight, and it's entitled this, The Tale of Two Teenagers. The tale of two teenagers. You know what we find? We find uh, the first teenager in Manasseh in chapter 33. Uh, he began to do evil, the Bible says. Uh, when he was 12 years old, he began to reign, and he did that which was evil. But you know what happened in Manasseh's life? Manasseh, uh, somewhere in his life, began to seek God. Uh, Manasseh turned it around. And we're gonna, I'm going to show you that here in just a moment. Uh, the Bible actually gives us a little picture of that. In uh, verse number 23 of chapter 33, and it said, uh, talking about Ammon, he humbled not himself before the Lord. Look, look what the Bible says, as Manasseh his father had humbled himself. Now the Bible said that Manasseh did evil, right? You guys, we read that just a minute ago. It said Manasseh did evil in the sight of the Lord. But what we find in chapter 33 is that we find that Manasseh came back to God. Uh, he turned things around. Uh, he, he got his sin right with God. And, and we're going to read that in just a minute. And then we have, so you have this picture. We have this young man, uh, Manasseh, who, who started out not in a good way. Uh, his father uh, was, was a great godly man, King Hezekiah. And then we find Manasseh chose to go his own way. And then we find another young man, Josiah, who didn't have a godly father, but he chose to do what was right before God. And, and here's, what I, here's what I have come to in this, is that every young person has the opportunity to follow God. Every young person. Every young person has the opportunity to live their life for God. Every young person. And here's what we must do, church. This is what we must do. We must pass on the truth to the next generation. We must pass on the truth. Here's the thing. Uh, uh, Pastor Sexton has said this many times. Uh, we can't pass on our own personal experience to the next generation. We have to pass on the truth. I'm thankful for what God has done in my life, and, and I can stand here and I can testify tonight of how God saved me as a, at a young age. And, and as a teenager, uh, I began to get drift a little bit away from God. Uh, I, I was a good kid, I guess you could say, but, uh, but my heart was far from the things of God. And I'm thankful that at a summer camp, God got a hold of my heart. And, and that's uh, one of the things I'm, I'm so thrilled uh, of uh, the place where I'm at and the things I'm able to do because that's where God got a hold of my heart as a young person. And the Lord really changed my life. 
what we need to pass on is the truth of God's Word. Would you look over to uh, Psalms with me real quickly? And I want to show you this passage uh, before we give you just a few points here this evening. Psalm 78. Would you look at this psalm with me? Uh, this is... This is what God desires. Look what the Bible tells us here in Psalm 78. Uh, Starting verse number 2. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. Showing to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that he hath done. Look down to verse number six. That the generation to come might know them. Even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God. Uh, here's what God desires for us to pass the truth on to the next generation. Uh, and the verse says here, verse six, that the generation to come might know them. And that verse number seven, that they might set their hope in God. Um, this is what God desires. This is, uh, this is one of our uh, great responsibilities as a church is to get the truth to the next generation. I'm so thankful uh, for the burden your pastor has for this. I'm thankful for what you're doing. Uh, we benefited from this uh, from the youth conference just a couple weeks ago. Uh, that is from a burden that you have to help reach teenagers and to get the truth to the next generation. And I want to just encourage you tonight, I want to challenge you tonight uh, to do all you can to reach the next generation. Um, I, um, I, I, as I said at the beginning of this message, I have a burden um, to, uh, to reach the next generation. And, and especially in our country, uh, we have so many, so many opportunities all around us to reach young people. You know, I'm thinking about uh, these public schools, and Brother Josh and I were just talking about this, and I know he's praying and working at uh, trying to get uh, into some of these public schools here, even in this area. Um, but the Lord has really burdened that in my heart. Uh, they're in Knox County. Uh, we are in just about every middle school and high school, uh, also in the in the next county, Anderson County. Uh, the Lord has done a great work in my heart. And, and as I've done some research, uh, you know, in America, there are just about I, I'm, I'm not sure that I think this was last year's number, but somewhere close to 75 million school age kids, 75 million school age children. And then uh, there are nearly 100,000 public schools across the U.S. And you know what? We know just, you know, just as much as I do, uh, that what is not being given to these young people is the truth of God's word. Uh, it has been taken out of schools. It has been disregarded. Uh, it, it's similar to what we found here in uh, Second Chronicles. It's similar in that the Word of God has just been cast out. And, and we are trying to get the Word of God back into these public schools. I want you to really pray that God would, uh, God would truly do a great work here in your area in the public schools. Uh, we're seeing a spirit of revival in many of our area schools. We're seeing that in, in numbers of places all around the country. And I, I want to encourage you to pray and, and seek God that he would do a work in the next generation. I'll tell you one story, and then I'll, I'll jump into this message this evening. Um, a number of years ago, uh, we were praying about getting into the next county. Uh, for years, uh, now for 32 years, we've been in Knox County schools and in the, in the public schools. Every week, we had 
uh, teams of people that go in and hold a Bible club. Um, just this past week, we had uh, our first week. And in the very first week of the school year, uh, where we had our Teens for Christ calls, we had 18 young people make a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus. And that's such a blessing. Uh, a number of years ago, we were praying about getting into uh, Anderson County. And um, we, had, we had talked to so many people. We had, uh, we had gone to the school. And we had just really exhausted all of our resources and just could not get into that school. And uh, one day, uh, we had a young man that uh, was in our church. I uh, was actually at camp. He came up to me at camp, and he said, uh, it was after evening service, and he came up to me and said, you know, uh, the Lord has put a burden on my heart uh, to see my, soul, my, my, my school reach for Christ. And, um, and I said, well, what school do you go to? And he told me it was Anderson County High School. Uh, it was the very school that we had been praying about getting in for many years, a large high school. It's, it's not far from our church. It's just a, a county over, but it, it's closer than many of the schools even in our county. And um, so we said, you know, we want you to go uh, find uh, a teacher in that school that would be willing to have this Teens for Christ Club. That's what we want you to do, find a teacher. He came back the next day. And he said, I already talked to my football coach, and he said he'd help us. And uh, so we set up a meeting. We went and, and met with this guy. Uh, and, and what I found out was uh, he's uh, one, of the, one of the greatest Christians I know today. He's a solid, uh, solid uh, Christian man that, is, uh, that has been the coach of the football team there for many years. Uh, this past year, they were able to win their first state championship. Uh, and the Lord is blessing in a, in a great way. Uh, and, and the Lord opened the door there uh, to so many things, and now we're in many schools all around Anderson County uh, because of that one young person getting a burden to reach their school. Uh, maybe we should just pray for a young person that would get burdened for their school, uh, for other teenagers, uh, for others uh, in this area. Uh, what God could do with a teenager that gets a burden. I, I was thinking, uh, preparing for this message, I was thinking of, uh, a young man by the name of Evan Roberts. How many of you have heard of Evan Roberts? Evan uh, Roberts was uh, a young man who was, uh, who was part of the Welch Revival. Uh, this young man, um, he was not necessarily the preacher. Uh, he was not necessarily the one of the ones leading. Uh, he was a young man who got a burden to seek God. He got a real burden to seek God. Uh, some of the accounts I've read about Evan Roberts is that uh, he was so burdened uh, by the sin around him, by, by those around him, that he literally uh, would stay up all night praying. A young man, so burdened that he would spend all night in prayer seeking God. And Evan Roberts was uh, someone who God used greatly in this revival. I, uh, I know uh, I don't have all the exact numbers. I know uh, over 100,000 people uh, uh, made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus from this revival uh, just amazing things that God did through the life of a young man. Uh, God desires to use young people, and we know that. Uh, I want you to turn back to our passage here in Second Chronicles. I want to give you just some things quickly uh, this evening, and I'm not going to belabor the point. I just want to give you these uh, these points here real quickly this evening. And uh, may our may our hearts get burdened tonight for the next generation. Uh, I want to. Um, Point you back to Chronicles chapter 33. And as we think about Manasseh's life, uh, what, what can we do to affect the next generation? That's the question I keep asking. What, what, can, I, what can I do? Uh, there's some things that we find in Manasseh's life that affected some not good, some, some were good. Uh, look with me here 
in verse number two of Second Chronicles uh, chapter thirty-three. The Bible says, "But but he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord." Look at this, like unto the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And then it goes on to tell us all these things. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down. He reared up altars to Balaam and made groves and worshipped all that host of heaven and served them. Uh, Look down to verse number 6. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a a familiar spirit and with wizards he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. First thing I know is this uh, from Manasseh's life. Sin will affect, will affect the next generation. Sin. Sin in our lives. We say we want to affect the next generation. We want to have an impact. We want to reach the next generation. Then get thoroughly right with God. Let God do a work in your life that young people will see God do something. I, you know what? I'm, I'm imagining, I'm imagining in this particular story that Manasseh, uh, and we're going to get to this here in just a minute, as he began to get right with God, I can imagine the impact that had on Josiah's life. Can you imagine uh, this young boy that's growing up? Uh, he would have been real young, you know, uh, you know, four, five, uh, six years old. Uh, he, he'd been real young uh, in this. Uh, knowing his his grandfather, and and I can imagine the impact that he had when he turned to God. Sin will affect the next generation. Sin doesn't just affect our lives; it affects those. Com- it affects our children. It affects uh, young people. It affects the siblings coming after you. It affects uh, your friends, those that you're closely associated with. It affects everyone. We must get thoroughly right with God. This, this verse number six breaks my heart. I mean, how far, how far had, had he gone? This is someone who grew up in a godly home. Someone who knew right from wrong. And the Bible tells us that he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. You know what this is? Uh, this is uh, the uh, sacrifice that they would give to these idols. They were literally sacrificing their own children to these idols. How far they had come. We see, we see in our day and age, we see wickedness like this, and, and, and we think, how, how much worse can it get? How much farther can it go? But God wants to know, are we willing to get thoroughly right with Him tonight? Uh, sin will affect um, the next generation. By the way, I, I truly believe uh, that Manasseh's son, Ammon, was greatly affected by this sin. Can you imagine him growing up seeing this? Uh, seeing this wickedness? And the Bible tells us, we read the account of, of uh, what happened in his life and, and the short time that he reigned and, and the evil that he did and, and continued more and more. Uh, I know this, sin will affect the next generation. Let's continue uh, reading. If you look down to verse number 10, Look down to verse number 10. The Bible says, And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Verse number 11. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host 
of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. Look at this. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Here's the next thing we find. Repentance will affect the next generation. Getting right with God will affect the next generation. Uh, this man was one who had, who had uh, seen great wickedness. I mean, honestly, uh, I, I can't imagine uh, the wickedness that he was wrapped up in. Uh, those verses I read uh, really don't give us any picture of how far this man had gone in sin. Again, someone who knew right from wrong, someone who had grown up in a godly home, but now the Bible tells us uh, that he was getting right with God and and he turned to God. I want you to look at these verses real quick with me in Ephesians. Oh, I love this. Ephesians chapter 2. Look what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others." Verse number four, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ by grace you're saved. Now I'll stop right there. But God who is rich in mercy. Can we all say amen to the fact that God's been merciful to us? Uh, wicked sinners, God has reached down his hand and he has shown us mercy. And I, I can think, uh, I, I can imagine how different Manasseh's life must have been after this. <laughs> you imagine? God showed him mercy. Uh, someone who uh, had, had done terrible things, and now he had turned his life back to God. And I'm so grateful he did, because you know what? It, it helped Josiah. Uh, Josiah saw that. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe I can imagine, uh, maybe... Uh, uh, Manasseh is sitting there in his chair and he brings Josiah on his knee, just a young boy. And he's telling him these stories, telling him, don't turn away from God, seek God, seek God. And can you imagine hearing that as a young man and hearing someone with such passion who has uh, just been shown the mercy of God? Listen, young people need us to plead with them to get right with God. That's what they need. And we find that to be true. And if you look back in Second Chronicles now, and uh, we'll give you just a couple other things here quickly. And down in verse number 14, the Bible says this, Now after this, now after he turned back to God, now after, he, he, after this, he built a wall without the city of David on the west side of Gihon in the valley, even to the entering in at the fish gate, and compassed about Ophel and raised it up a very great height, and put up captains of war in all the fenced cities of Judah. And look what he does. And he took away the strange gods 
and the idol out of the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem and cast them out of the city. And he repaired the altar of the Lord and sacrificed thereon peace offerings and thank offerings and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Uh, Here's what we find next. Uh, Separating unto the Lord affects the next generation. Separating unto the Lord. Uh, Not just getting right with God, but now getting things corrected in our lives. Uh, A couple things he did in this passage. uh, He made an emphasis in the house of God. Uh, You know, how we uh, view the Lord's Day and how we view uh, our church and the local, the local church uh, will affect the next generation. Are we putting a priority on the local church? Are we putting, are we putting a priority on the things of God? Uh, that's what he began to get right. He began to get uh, his, his priorities straightened out. Uh, he be, obviously, he was getting rid of the sin and he was getting rid of uh, that. He was repenting to God, but now he was separating unto the Lord and he was getting all of these things corrected in in this place. And I want to show you one last thing here. If you look down to verse uh, number 18. Look what the Bible says here in verse number 18. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer unto his God and the whole and the words of the seers that spake to him in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel. And then it's mentioned again in verse 19. His prayer also and how God was entreated of him in all his sin. And I'm going to stop right there and just say this. The last thing is this. Our prayer will affect the next generation. Our prayer. Our calling out to God will affect the next generation. We must, we must seek God for the next generation. We must call out to him on behalf of the next generation. Let me just ask you, have you become burdened? For the next generation in this community, uh, it breaks my heart uh, every time I pass a bus stop and see hundreds of young people lined up, uh, thinking about uh, where they're where they're heading in eternity, uh, where uh, what where they're heading in their life, what what course are they on in their life? Uh, are you burdened for that? I I have uh, the Lord has given me a great burden to see young people come to know the Lord as their Savior and to live their entire life for Him. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, um, I, I've been given the opportunity now, since we've been at Anderson County High School, uh, we've been given the opportunity to be the chaplain on the football team. Uh, this coach has been uh, become such a great friend of mine, uh, not just someone at, at school, but uh, we've, we hang out together at, um, outside of school and, and lots of things and uh, become, so, uh, become such a wonderful friend. And uh, he, a number of years ago, he asked us to... Um, be the chaplain on the football team. Uh, we began by giving devotions once a week on the football team. Uh, just recently, he said, we really want you to come out every day and speak to the football team. Uh, I, I can't possibly figure out how to do that time-wise, um, but I try to get up there at least twice a week uh, to speak to this football team and, and just to invest in them. And, and the Lord is doing amazing things. Just a couple weeks ago, we had seven young people in practice bow their head and, and ask the Lord to save them as their sin. Uh, that was just a couple weeks ago. I remember last year, uh, this this football team, this this state championship football team. We had many of these young people come to know the Lord as their Savior. And I, I remember one young person I, I'll probably never forget. Uh, we were uh, we were talking. He raised his hand about needing um, salvation, and 
And, uh, you know, we, we have that quite often. I, I'm very, I'm not quick to say that someone is saved because they raise their hand. I, uh, I, I wanted to talk to them afterwards. And so I encourage them to come talk to me. This young man, uh, made, made a point to come to me right after we had our devotion. And, um, he began to talk to me and, and he wanted to talk about some things in his past. And, uh, I shared the gospel with him. Uh, he prayed right there to, uh, to receive Christ as his savior. And he said this statement to me that I'll never forget. Uh, he, he looked up at me and he said, I feel like a weight has just been lifted off of my shoulders. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, that is what we are trying to bring to young people. Hope. Hope. And not in anything we can do. Hope in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we have the truth, church. We have what young people need. And we must get this to the next generation. Uh, I truly believe uh, that God will bless a church uh, that is seeking to reach the next generation. I'm so thankful for the emphasis that you're placing on that here and how you are, uh, how you're laboring to reach the next generation. What are you doing personally to reach the next generation? What are you doing personally? I'm going to close with this story. Um, in my Bible, uh, I have a picture of a young man and, uh, this young man, uh, was one I met many years ago when I was in college. Um, I, we were out visiting one day, uh, on a, on our bus route there in Powell. And, uh, we, we saw some young people out playing basketball. So, uh, we jumped out of the car and we started playing basketball with them and, uh, got to know this young man by the name of Andrew. And, uh, he had, he was attending Powell high school there, the, the school right closest to our church. And, uh, this young man, uh, was one that he knew every person in that school. Uh, he was an influential young person. Uh, I, I remember one time, uh, he would call me up randomly and he'd say, Hey, you guys want to get together and play ball? And of course, any, anytime they said that, I was like, absolutely. And, uh, he called me up that one day and he said, Hey, y'all want to get together and play basketball? And I said, yes, let's do it. I said, can you help us find a few guys? And I, I, <laughs> uh, he said, Oh yeah, I could, I could probably find a few. And I, I rolled up to the place where we were going to play a few minutes later. And there's 30 guys and people are just coming out of the woodwork everywhere. And, uh, it was so encouraging. This young man, uh, trusted the Lord as his personal savior. Uh, we would get people together. We'd get these guys together. We'd play basketball and then we'd preach to him and, and give him the gospel. And, uh, I remember, I remember him getting really on fire for God. Uh, I remember him getting a real great desire. And, uh, I, uh, to be honest, I kind of lost track of him for a little bit. Uh, there was about a year period. Uh, every once in a while I'd see him, I'd see him random places and he would, he would come running up to me and we'd talk. And, uh, I, I hadn't heard from him again for many years. And, uh, now I was out of college and I was serving, uh, there at the church and, um, serving there at Mount Moriah and, um, just a couple years into it. And I remember getting a call one day, uh, that a young man had passed away and they said, I think you, you may know this young man. His name was, his name was Andrew. And my mind was racing trying to figure out, and it was this young man. And it broke my heart hearing the story about how this young man had drifted away from God. Uh, he, he had began to get into a life of partying and uh, going from bar to bar and uh, out late at night. Uh, this young man tragically, um, uh, tragically was killed one night. Actually, uh, this is uh, unbelievable. It happened right on our camp property. Uh, he, um, was coming down the road and if you've been to our camp, you know, the roads are, uh, extremely curvy. He'd been out one night drinking 
and uh, came around one curve and, and missed it and hit the tree right as you come in our front entrance, hit that tree head on and was sent into eternity. Uh, I remember um, I remember going uh, to his to the viewing that night. I, I believe the viewing and the funeral were, were there together. I remember going to that that night and went up to his mother. I'd met a couple times. She had been, she had visited our church a couple times. I remember going up to her and saying, I don't know if you remember me, but I knew Andrew. And I just want you to know uh, that I was with Andrew the day that he trusted the Lord as his Savior. She began to cry, and she said, I'm so thankful that you came and talked to me. I had no idea where he was today. And you know what? I'm so sad about the direction of his life, but I'm also grateful uh, that we had an opportunity to reach this young person. I'm so grateful that uh, there was an opportunity to get this young person the gospel. And we must labor at getting young people the gospel uh, while we have time. Um, this, this verse, again, in Second Chronicles chapter 34 says this, while he was yet young, while he was yet young, uh, we need to labor to reach young people while they are young. What are we doing? What are you personally doing to impact those that are coming after you? Maybe family, and maybe friends, maybe people that live near you. What are you doing to reach the next generation? By the way, uh, this is not a job just for the pastor. Uh, this is not a job just for the youth director. Uh, this is the church's mission to pass the truth on to the next generation. And we must all be personally accountable to doing this. Every one of us must personally be accountable. The young people have to be uh, uh, stirred up and excited to reach the next generation. Uh, we need to labor to get the truth to those uh, that are coming after us. Would you bow with me in prayer tonight? And appreciate your attention and, and again the opportunity to be here with you this evening and uh, to open up the Word of God. And uh, it's been such a joy to be here with you today. And uh, tonight, um, this I, I really just want to share my heart with you uh, because this is this is what God has burdened me with. And uh, how many of you are here tonight and and this is a burden that you have in your heart to reach the next generation? Would you raise your hand? This is your burden. It's wonderful. I hope you'll pray. As we heard that last point, that you will pray. All of us can pray. All of us. We can pray for the next generation. Uh, how many of you know that maybe there's uh, something in your life, maybe it's some kind of sin or something in your life, you know you need to get right tonight uh, so that you can help uh, reach the next generation. Would you slip your hand? Just pray for me. I know I need to get some things right in my life. Uh, wonderful. Maybe there's someone that, that has come into this auditorium tonight and you don't know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. You don't have confidence in knowing where you'll spend eternity. And let me tell you, uh, the greatest way you can impact the next generation is by trusting Christ as your Savior tonight. And is there anyone that would say, uh, pray for me, Brother Steve. Uh, I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven tonight. Would you just slip your hand up? You'd say, I'll be honest tonight. I don't know that for sure. I don't know the Lord is my personal Savior. If that's you, I want to encourage you to come and find uh, one of these workers tonight, uh, get that settled. There's no telling what God could do with your life. Uh, let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you, uh, Lord, again for this opportunity to meet tonight. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Lord, what a joy it's been to be in thy house this evening. Uh, Lord, I pray you'd stir our hearts to reach the next generation, Lord, uh, to reach those near us, to pass the truth on. And we'll give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Would you look up here for just a moment? You can remain seated for just a few moments unless you're coming to pray, but would you just look up here for just a second? Many of you know my, my heart's desire and burden is for young people. Our church's heart is to reach young people. I believe that. And it just takes one step of obedience. We have open doors every single day of our lives. Many of you are raising children right this very moment. And I want to encourage you. Some of the most encouraging things, and I go back and think about growing up, was whenever I'd walk past my parents' room and I'd hear them praying for us. I believe they're still praying for us. I want to encourage you parents, don't stop praying. But here's my question to you. What are you going to do? You know, we can talk about it all day. Let's go reach the next generation. We can talk about it all day, but let's do it. Let's do it. Lord, we come to you tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd put a burden so heavy on our hearts, Lord, that we can't help but do something. Lord, may we reach this next generation. Lord, bring tears back to our eyes. Bring a burden back to us. Help us, Lord. We'll thank you for it. Use this time of invitation. Words in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Some are already at the altar. Maybe you want to find yourself at the altar this evening and just spend some time in prayer. Maybe you want to ask the Lord, Lord, give me boldness to reach the next generation. Lord, put a burden on my heart. Maybe there's a young person that wants to pray for their school, their neighborhood, their friends, their family. Maybe there's a parent here tonight that you want to bring your children and pray with them. Maybe there's grandparents. You want to pray for your grandchildren. I don't know. But I do know this. We've got to do something. Someone is going to reach them. May God use us to reach them. The piano's playing. Some are at the altar. If the Lord's dealing with you, I encourage you. Find yourself at the altar. Spend some time in prayer.
Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the emphasis. We thank you for your word and, Lord, how it deals with us. Lord, we thank you for the reminders of the choices we make affect not only ourselves but others for generations to come. And, Lord, I pray that you put a burden on our hearts, Lord, that you would help us to reach the next generation. Lord, to let the next generation know that we love them we care about them. And, Lord, that we want to see God use them. Lord, I pray that you would be with us this evening. Lord, if there's anything that we need to get right, Lord, we get it right. Lord, may we make sure that we direct our emphasis on life and living and moving forward on you and your will. Lord, may we be a people of obedience. 